Celebrity's first edge-class ship offered so much, we couldn't cover it all in one episode. The bars, restaurants, indoor and outdoor spaces, her crew, and the featured entertainment gave us a lot to talk about. I'm Rick Ross. And I'm Billy Hirsch. We're recapping our three-night sailing on the brand new Celebrity Edge on the second of a two-part episode of the Cruise Habit Podcast. You're about to set sail on the Cruise Habit Podcast, an audio voyage through the world of ships, ports, and beyond. Welcome aboard. One of the big draws of any day on a ship is the production show that happens in the evening. Usually it's it's twice in the evening. In order to get new art, technology has to change first. And this is an instance where I think we're going to see a lot of great new art coming out of the technology that's been used to make this new theater uh, that I've seen called the Oculus Theater, but then I haven't, again, seen that used as an official name. So I'm not sure where, where that naming sits. Uh, but in, uh, as we covered on our, our Edge Preview podcast, this is a thrust theater that is kind of hybrid thrust theater in the round. I called it 270. Um, a round portion of the stage comes out, and the seats are focused around that. Uh, Billy and I noticed that there are no structural pillars, so it's all open. Um, and then there's some club seating along the sides. Portions of the stage rise. Portions of the stage rotate. Um, there's some pretty, uh, there's an interesting backdrop that's six panels that slide across one another to cover the back, but the panels can be moved, uh, independently. So if you want to reveal someone from the center, the two center panels can move apart. Uh, if you want to have, uh, reveal some portion of the background that say the second panel could move behind the third and you get some exposure to the, uh, the backstage area, uh, then they also have a ring above the circular part of the thrust stage uh, that has a, a lighting rig that you were telling me about, Billy. Yeah, so generally in, a, in an ordinary uh, theater with a proscenium, uh, normal what you think of a you know, stage in a, in a theater, um, you have what are called battens. They're just big metal bars where lighting, uh, lighting and or set pieces are mounted above the stage and in front of the stage. Uh, you might have some pockets, catwalks, things like that. Well, in this particular case, above the stage, there was a large, uh, I, I, it's hard for me to estimate, it's such a large room in general. I don't know, maybe 20-something, 30-something feet across ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lighting and other rigging there. Uh, sometimes used for the um, the aerial performances, but also it's there was a void in the ceiling around this ring that was significant, and makes me wonder if in some other shows maybe that we just haven't seen yet, maybe that they've even come up with, uh, if they might fly some rather large set pieces in uh, that are tucked away in the ceiling. Um, even though it's not in a ceiling above a stage behind a proscenium where, you know, and, and behind maybe a curtain where people can see it, but just it's that high up and, and far out there. And that was really interesting. Uh, almost all of, not all, but almost all the lighting, as one would expect in a modern theater, was uh, was LED. And there are a lot of reasons for that, ranging from heat and power consumption to the fact that you don't need to have nearly as many lights because you don't need to gel them. You don't need to put um, these clear plastic 
sheets in front to change the color of the lights. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's what one would expect. But there were a number of interesting mount points for for like robo scans for moving lights and remote uh, remote spots, things like that, throughout the house as well. And then Rick mentioned the the backdrop. Um, which was uh, kind of like, a, if, if you're familiar with, with theater construction, it's kind of like a sky psych um, in the, it seemed like the color and the material, almost like what you'd have, uh, kind of, sort of, not really what you'd have as a big screen that you project something onto. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say it's something between a painter's canvas and a movie screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was used just to paint the whole back uh, of the theater that, that wraps around a good 270 degrees or so with high, uh, high definition, high contrast, very well-tuned, powerful, and I'm sure very expensive projectors. <laughs> yeah. And this is something that we're seeing. We see this on the Castle Show uh, in the Magic Kingdom. We see this type of technology being used very frequently in, in theaters, land, sea, and elsewhere. Um, but this is, I've never seen it at this scale. Um, and as, as Rick mentioned, these panels move. So there's the, they have the capability of doing things behind this as well. But then to make it a really immersive experience where that, uh, not backdrop, but where, where that, uh, those surfaces end, which are not straight, by the way, they, they kind of curve around. It meets up with lighting with um, uh, LED, multicolor LED panels that go throughout the house. So imagine, and I'll, I'll describe this overly sim- in an overly simple way. Imagine there's a green light that you see in the center of the, uh, the back um, behind the performers, and then it were to start spreading. It would spread across the entire background but then continue spreading with, they can emulate similar colors and, uh, and I don't, potentially even patterns, I'm not sure, through the house. So it makes it very immersive that you can actually have lighting that sets the scene behind you, behind the audience. Um, I found that along with the, the, the multiple mount points for, again, both static and like robo scans and things like that, uh, and the, the multiple points that audio is coming from to make for maybe the most immersive uh, theater venue that I've seen. Um, you don't, part of the reason that you, we said there's not a bad seat is because there are no obstructed views, but it's also because there's not a, yeah, you know where the center of the stage is and you know where the center of the, the, the background is, but it kind of doesn't matter. Um, the performers can travel throughout the space and the effects, lighting and sound mm. can travel throughout the space. Uh, and I thought that was helpful, especially in the type of performances that they're putting on. Well, I, I wanted to say about the theater, uh, I can tell that it's different because my seating preferences and my, uh, I guess the reason why I chose the places where I sat uh, is different than in any other theater. Mm. Usually I want to sit like, and eh, maybe 10 rows back kind of on the right hand side. Uh, that's not the right place to be in this theater. The right place to be in this theater is as close to the stage front center as you can be because that stage is coming at you. Yeah. And uh, the reason why I want to sit so far back is so I get the wide perspective. Um, well, you have that from the second row. 
in this yes, uh, in this theater, and uh, that's where we sat. We sat uh, second row uh, on the right hand aisle, uh, and great seats, great seats there, because the action is right there, um, but the action also moves around in a pretty concentrated area with a lot of depth. So it was uh, made some for something very enjoyable to sit real close to the stage. Yeah, you, you've never seen a theater like this, especially on a ship, but probably anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we should probably talk about some of the shows that we saw there. Again, it was only a three night cruise, so we had somewhat limited opportunities to see. Uh, you know, they could only put on so many shows. Um, the first one, uh, which was personally my favorite of the two that I got to enjoy, Rick saw one more, was hype, and. Hype did not really have a storyline. I mean, they're kind of very loosely. There were some concepts. But but overall, uh, Hype was all about, well, Hype. I mean, it was the highest energy performance <laughs> mm-hmm. one could conceive of. Uh, there was a, we'll say, a main male lead performer who, uh, what made him the, the lead was that he sang and danced through every single part of every single song, um, there uh, this guy was superhuman. His name was Marcus. Uh, I later chatted with him. He seemed like a nice guy. Um, but he was accompanied by a number of other uh, great performers. So for the entirety of this show, I think it was the entirety, yeah, there were some, were they large, were they like giant cubes that went up maybe a story or more high? on the stage and there was uh there were different band members that were mm-hmm. positioned on different parts so i oh, remember yeah. there was a level uh, sure there was uh the the keyboard player in hype was at like the highest point all the way back and it was so bizarre that i'm looking at the stage and on one hand i have this the marcus is singing he's right in front of me he's eight feet in front of me and you can see he's just pouring sweat yeah <laughs> <laughs> working hard man uh meanwhile this keyboard player is i don't know 25 feet higher and a hundred feet back it, you know it was that that was the moment during that first show that I really got an appreciation for how much space they had to work with not just how big the space was but mm. how much space they had to work with mm. um, so they had the the band going throughout that performance and then there were also two um, calling them backup singers and dancers I don't think maybe adequately explains it because uh, they were you you wouldn't second string these uh, any of these people. <laughs> I I wholeheartedly endorse that statement. That is a great way to frame um, it. And they uh, they they were going on um, also throughout ninety nine percent of the the performance like Marcus, and it just went from one song to another, blended perfectly, so that you didn't even notice you're singing along, and you didn't even notice you're singing another song <laughs> all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> Through any number of genres, there there was uh, there was Prince. Um, yeah. There I'm, now I'm, I should have written down all the songs. It would have made it better to talk about. <laughs> but but yeah, through any number of genres, um, extremely high energy dancing, and the performers would come out into the house and interact with people. Um, not in a way that I thought was hokey. Sometimes that can happen in a show and you're like, okay, we get it. Trying to engage the audience. (laughs) You did not need to engage the audience in this show. (laughs) It was so freaking high energy. There was no need to, to go out. And yet, and yet they did. Um, it was, uh, it was a real experience. Um, uh, 
want to call out um, Anne from Australia. She was, uh, I think, the, the blonde yeah. uh, dancer mm-hmm. that was there. Who else? Um, did you meet Madison? Yes. So the the uh, the female backup vocalist on the first night, like you said, uh, what did you just say? You would not second string them. Yeah. Like, yes, when she came out and I saw how she was dancing and singing, I thought, okay, she's going to be a backup vocalist tonight because <laughs> she's got so much more and I really hope I get a chance to see it. Uh, as it turns out, when we talk about the next show, she really does get showcased there in a way I thought was excellent that I was really happy about. Um, so yeah, Anne from Australia, who I got a chance to talk to when I, when I was walking around, but all the dancers, really great, high energy songs. At one point, oh, we, have, we agreed uh, that Marcus had some outstanding shoes. Yeah, on on both occasions, the, the he wear he does one costume change. First of all, Marcus was so fit. I believe his shoes were fitted. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, r- r- he does. I, I, I don't even know when he did the costume changes because he was always in front of us singing and dancing. Mm-hmm. He must have like just run back for you know four seconds and changed yeah. or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, remarkable shoes. On both occasions, yeah. yeah, both outfits, really good. Uh, so there, there was one moment where I'm sure she just had to use the restroom, but uh, a woman got up and went to leave the theater, and uh, Marcus ran around from where he was down into the aisle, down in front of her, and there's a spotlight able to follow him at this point in the theater, and he gets down on his knees, and it just happened to be that like the song was something about begging and pleading to a woman not to leave you, and it was like so good, and and he gets down on his knees in front of her, and she just starts laughing too, and realizes, you know, yeah, maybe she shouldn't walk out of this guy's really excellent (laughs) performance. It was just kind of happy to use the bathroom uh so i thought i thought hype was was great that's a, a keeper uh in a show just as it is yeah um, explaining it can't do justice because i can say oh yeah it was a, it was a mashup of a bunch of different songs like uh, no man like <laughs> yeah. I, I the the best i would describe it not that marcus was um was anything like james brown but if you mm. when you see james brown you, you watch his performances and you realize that man was given it everything in a very different way than Marcus was certainly, mm. uh, but given it everything. And you can't look away from that. You can't, you can't be bored for a second. Um, no matter if it's t- the type of music and the type of dancing that you like, you, you just, it's riveting. And it was riveting for like what? 45 straight minutes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know how he did it. I told him, I, I saw Marcus walking around the next day. Oh. <laughs> uh, he, he was, he's actually going to relax in the jacuzzi and, and he deserved it. Uh, and I said, hey, I don't want to take up any time. It was actually on Periscope, I think. Uh, I don't want to take up any of your time. I just want to let you know you were amazing. Uh, really talented. Everyone was great. And, and he, uh, I told him he probably burned more calories during that show than I do in an entire week. So I, I can't say enough good stuff about hype just because I it was, um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of energy. Yeah, it, I, w- one of the things that I, I tell performers when I, I run into them is uh, that's something I'm glad I saw, yeah. and that's something I would say about hype. Yep. That's something I'm glad, I'm glad I saw. Uh, the second night we saw uh, the jewelry box, which uh, is more of a, a narrative uh, production. So this um, this Aslan type lion character comes out projected on the on the backdrop screen, and he's telling the story of a, of a land that's 
occupied by tribes of four gemstones. So we've got ruby, sapphire, uh, emerald, and I'm pretty sure that he said tourmaline. Uh, so I looked it up to make sure like the yellow gemstone was tourmaline. And here, uh, a Google search summary, uh, here are the colors tourmaline comes in. Green, blue, black, pink, purple, red, yellow, gray, white, brown. The Spectrum song, we got orange. it. <laughs> so what's the other one, Tourmaline? Sure. Yeah, so I think Tourmaline represented yellow. Make, make sure, by the way, when you're import, that you stop at Tourmaline International <laughs> and get your free gift. The value will only continue to increase. <laughs> Do you know what that always reminds me of? Is the uh, episode of South Park where the family goes to Aspen for the timeshare. And at every turn, there's another like timeshare sales tactic. Yeah. And one of the things that they do is uh, like, uh, oh, turn over your card. You got the red sticker. <laughs> you got the, like, you know, you yeah. got the red and sticker. And they couldn't escape. That. Right, exactly. <laughs> that and U- Ulu knives in, in Alaska, if you cruise there. All right, sorry, <laughs> yeah. went off track yeah, a little bit. No, I apologize. You got, you got the red stickers. I, I love that line. Um, so, uh so I, I'm pretty sure she was tourmaline. I found out that on the third night when she was uh, performing uh, that her name is Asia. My, the highlight for my show is when uh, the diamond gemstone character appears and she does uh, a rendition of, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Rihanna's trend by Bright Like a Diamond. I think Sia wrote that song. Um, but Asia performed it very well. It was, that was the highlight of the show for me. Uh, I also really liked the Emerald uh, the Emerald tribe was represented by a couple and uh, they were the kind of aerial gymnast feats of strength. Yes. Uh, they were, that was just amazing. So they're one of the contraptions they had was this kind of like two triangles fused together on their longer side or like a diamond divided in half and um, angled out from the center of that circle. That's the bottom of the, that's the shape of the stage. And then in this metal frame triangle, there are two elastic cords. So they're able to suspend themselves from the uh, metal part and then bounce themselves off the elastic part and then lever, cantilever themselves off of one another. It was it was just amazing. While blindfolded and juggling. <laughs> and- Chainsaws. No. Yeah, it was, uh, that was just great. And then uh, Madison, who I had seen as the backup singer in the, the hype show and been like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, there's more to her and yes. I hope I get to see it. <laughs> well, she comes back as the Ruby tribe leader and she and the dancers who, who support her uh, are, um, they're on hoverboards. Yeah, the uh, I wish there was a better name for those. But the the things that you, they were controversial for a while because they were apparently catching fire. Yeah, uh, two wheels you stand on, you lean, and it rolls you around. So what what was the word you came up for how they were on these hoverboardography? Hoverboard. <laughs> <laughs> hoverboardography. So I I got a chance to talk to Madison on the third night. Got my graduate degree in hoverboardography. <laughs> I got, I got a chance to talk to Madison the third night of the cruise. Uh, I said, all right, so what What was your reaction when the, the dance instructors came up to you like, all right, and so your number, you're going to be on a hoverboard. 
Uh, she was uh, she was enthusiastic. Uh, like, yeah, let's go. That sounds that sounds cool. Uh, and much to her dance instructor's credit, uh, she said that their their first you know uh, baseline encounter with the hoverboard was just ride it around, get comfortable. You know, learn what the controls are before they threw him uh, through Madison and then the the dancers into any kind of you know learning the steps. I yeah, guess. you know, master the instrument first, I suppose. Um, and then the other thing that was funny about seeing uh, Madison the third night is at the curtain call of Jewelry Box when she came out. Uh, I was in the second row and applauding and point, and I'm like right in front of her uh, applauding, and I like pointed at her and um, while I was applauding. And when she asked, uh, she goes, oh, were, where were you sitting? Were you in the, the second row? Did you, like, point at me like this? I was like, yeah, that was that was me. <laughs> She's like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. All right. Yeah, she was she was fantastic to talk to. Um, her first cruise ship contract. In fact. That's, yeah. that's a hell of a way to start. Oh, uh, I'm no telling. Yeah. So, uh, Jewelry Box, uh, I personally didn't like it as much as I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was visually really cool, uh, and we've got some pictures on the live blog of just the different how they would color the entire space differently depending on which tribe was being kind of highlighted. Um, uh, I'm I'm glad I watched it. Hype! I will go watch again in January. I don't know if I will jewelry box, mm. but that's me. I think you you said you you preferred it. Yeah, yeah, I preferred it because I liked the variety of dance styles sure. and the variety of costuming and yeah that was i mean there is absolutely nothing wrong with hype but if and that, and i say the same for jewelry box yeah. nothing wrong yeah. just so we have different preferences there and then rick you got to see one other show that i didn't get to see mm-hmm. and that yeah. was promise is yeah that, that was, was uh the promise so that was a, a song and I, you know i wish i remembered the the lead female vocalist name i think it was ashley we're gonna have to look that up and like now? What? No, I no. That's fine. Oh, I, you, you, said, you said we're gonna have to look that up, and you looked at me. I'm just like, oh, really putting me on the Google spot here. No, okay. no. Well, I mean, if you want to, while I talk <laughs> about it, feel free. Um, so she uh came out as the the lead vocalist, and she was supported by uh, Asia, who had been the tourmaline, uh, yellow gemstone the night before, and uh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, who had been the diamond character in the jewelry box. Yeah, yeah. I forget his name. I uh, he was also my muster drill uh, oh. station uh, <laughs> guy. And uh, <laughs> um, so they were supporting a vocal. Didn't pay attention to muster drill, yeah. did you? Uh, <laughs> so um, supported by a band, no backup dancing uh, this night. And I saw all the people who have been in the shows that weren't in that show were in the audience that night. They had come out to support their uh, their fellow cast. Yeah, I, I noticed that actually on... Um, that's right, because we were sitting in different places during Jewelry Box. Mm. Uh, I noticed the same was true of uh, during Jewelry Box. Oh, okay. I saw a bunch of people that were involved in hype that weren't in Jewelry Box watching and enjoying their performance. And that, that was cool yeah. to, to see, because you know that they've been rehearsing, even though it was only the second <laughs> revenue selling, you know that they have seen these a bunch. So it, yeah. it, it really speaks to how much they appreciate each other's hard work. Yeah, the good camaraderie yeah. of a, a team like that. That was good. Uh, so so uh, this young woman comes out, and she sings songs that are themed about uh, love, love is the answer, um, you know, uh, 
love is what holds the universe together kind of uh, ideas. Uh, tells stories about the birth of her niece and nephew connected with these songs. Um, for those of you who know the um, uh, Brazilian singer Vanessa D'Amata, she reminded me of her somewhat visually, um, especially in Vanessa D'Amata's live concert. There was also, I forget which song it was, but the third song that this uh, singer sang, um, there was a moment where she really reminded me of the power of Diana Ross's final song in the the Wiz movie. Mm, okay. It was, uh, I was like, wow, that really, uh, that really connects and, and resonates with me. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and then when she did a quick costume change, she let the, um, female, uh, backup vocalist come out. Oh no, sorry. It was mostly then the male backup vocalist at another point. She and the, um, she and Asia, the, the female backup, um, had like a duet number together. That was really good. Uh, very different styles of the, they're very different characters to their voice. So hearing them together was, uh, was cool. I look forward to, to checking out the promise. I hope yeah. they do it. During the seven night, I presume. Um, I, w- I would hope so because it's, it's a thing to say. I heard people raving uh, yeah. about, uh, especially about her vocal talents. Um, even as we're, uh, in fact, we saw her. Um, what, I forgot the performer's name. I, th- um, I think it's I think it's Ashley something. Her initials are R A A. So um, so we we saw her. Um, I suppose she was just going into town while we were disembarking, mm-hmm. and. Everybody was just stopping and, and singing her praises. Mm. Uh, so, well, she earned it. Uh, she is a, a phenomenon. I highly recommend. So, so far, uh, on, with almost everything that we've talked about, we've talked about being in the ship. Yes. <laughs> and, which is kind of funny because I've written before on the site about how important I think it is to be in places <laughs> that you can see the outside, see that you're on the water. Granted, in Ocean View Cafe and other venues. You have great yeah. views of the water, but there are uh, some outdoor venues as well that uh, I think we should talk about because this is a ship that it's not that, oh, there are open decks. We can put a bar here. We can put a little raised stage here and some lights. Um, the outdoor spaces on Celebrity Edge are were clearly as well thought out and as intentionally designed as the indoor spaces. Um, so the, the one, I mean, we have to start with the signature feature, I guess, of Celebrity Edge, and that is the, uh, Magic Carpet. The Magic Carpet is a venue that is cantilevered off the port side? No, no starboard, starboard side. side. Starboard side, yeah, because we were on starboard mm-hmm. forward, yeah. Uh, starboard side of the ship, and it's mounted to two kind of bright, brightish orange rails that go from the waterline to above the top deck mm-hmm. and it is a motorized venue it it moves not while guests are on it to be clear uh, it's not like rising tide bar on oasis class ships for example right right that's um, the right comparison it it's the idea is that it can be used for different purposes in different locations so there's uh, you can have lunch there there's dinner sometimes there's entertainment um, and it's also used as I, I continuously call it a Vaporetto station um, for when the edge launches are used, when you tender, they take the magic carpet all the way down to the, uh, we were just talking about this venue, the uh, um, destination, gateway. destination gateway. Thank you. 
at the waterline and you go from destination gateway onto the magic carpet and then onto the edge launches, the tenders. So it's really a multi-purpose uh, venue and, and different places on the ship. It serves different purposes, offers different views. Very cool. I walked out on there several times. Um, I did not have a chance to dine uh, there. Mm-hmm. I would like to. It is the standout feature in the sense that it stands out. Uh, you notice it is the distinguishing feature of Edge. Edge is a very unique looking ship on the outside in several ways. Uh, the different bow design, the you can see Eden from the outside, but really it's the magic carpet. That's somebody that's only sailed, you know, they're on their second sh- cruise ever. They're on Carnival. They've, they've never even heard of Celebrity. They're going to go, oh, that's that ship with the orange thing that sticks out on the side. Oh, yeah. Um, what I am curious to see is how, I don't want to say how sustainable. Um, somebody, it was actually somebody on Facebook and golly, if it was you, uh, <laughs> leave something in the, uh, leave a comment in the show notes. Uh, somebody said, it seems like, or maybe it was on Periscope. It seems like magic carpet is a solution looking for a problem. <laughs> okay. And I get it. It's a really cool venue. I'm curious to see. Does it change in some way? I feel like they're they're pretty committed to it, you know, for Apex and beyond and, and oh, the yeah. other Edge class ship. But um, I guess part of it, why does it need to be there, and what could it be doing in between specialty meals? Um, so I, 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 my hunch is that Celebrity will figure that out over time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I do want to mention before I move away from Magic Carpet, it is lit from the outside, so something that you don't get to appreciate while you're sailing Celebrity Edge, but if you're in a port that, or even if you're just on another ship and it's nighttime, it's not just that it's lit, but there are, um, I don't know if they're fiber optics or if they're giant LED strips, but there are dancing light effect, uh, lighting effects on the magic carpet and on the tracks for mm-hmm. the magic carpet that look amazing. Um, you'll have to find somebody else's YouTube video because I was on the ship, so I couldn't get a shot of that. Uh, but it looks really cool. I think actually, um, Captain Johnny mm. uh, okay. on Harmony of the Seas got a video of that. So if you oh, you can nice. check that on maybe his Instagram or Twitter feed. Um, so yeah, that that's Magic Carpet. I, I I monopolize that. Do you have any thoughts about Magic Carpet, Rick? No, I think you've covered uh, absolutely uh, everything. It's uh, it's not a, a space that I spent a lot of time on. Um, because I was so interested in the other indoor spaces, especially Eden, which we've talked about and going to get a, a special episode on. Um, but it's something I'd like to explore more on a, on a seven night. So I'll tell you a space outdoor space that I did explore uh, a lot more was the rooftop garden. And we, I think we may have talked about this on an episode or maybe just over drinks while not having a microphone in front of us. I don't know. Mm. Uh, a while back. There was a lot of talk about the the rooftop garden grill. Gar- rooftop garden grill, is that what yeah, it's called? Yeah, that's the restaurant portion. Right. And it's a specialty restaurant. Um, neither of us dined there. Um, but it, it, it looks beautiful. However, we thought, okay, there's got to be... They're using the space for other things. And it really wasn't totally clear how separate it was until we got on board. 
but it is on one of the top decks. And if you're familiar with the uh, lawn club on Solstice class ships, you know that it's where they have an actual lawn. And that is novel, but I don't think it's really practical. Right. Um, for a number of reasons, maintenance and just you go, okay, cool. There is a lawn on the ship. And now, mm -hmm. uh, so what they did with the rooftop garden is it is a, we'll say an outdoor lounge and there is a stage. There's also a big screen. I suspect they might sometimes play sporting events or something up there. They did. They played a movie. Okay. There. A movie. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and it's, it's raised up from the surrounding area so that even when you're sitting and you're surrounded by all these real plants that are um, kind of implanters around the benches and the couches that they have, but also some that are up in, they call them trees. I mean, they're not real trees, but they're, they're these things that have cool lights and carved wood, uh, multidimensional designs hmm. uh, that have plants up in the top. And in, in fact, a guitar player played up there. Um, but you're... You're enclosed in this, not enclosed, but you're you're surrounded by these plants and this beautiful space. A lot of wood, all of the um, all of the seating, all the tables, the flooring, even some of like the we'll say outdoor toys, you know, like giant Jenga and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, all wood, all natural yeah. wood, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And yet, you can still see as you look past it on either side, you can see the water, mm -hmm. and that made it absolutely gorgeous to me um there was a band up there uh whose name i should have put in the notes uh the reckless charms the reckless charms thank you they were from nashville uh, a group of i believe four women five women five women um kind of did a kind of bluegrass style mm -hmm. but they covered a lot of different genres of music and may have had some of their own stuff. I, uh, I, I wanted to check them out more. Three Night Cruise, man. Busy times. But they were really good. Um, and that that venue, it has, um, it has appeal over time. I was worried when I saw the renderings that this was going to be something that looked really beautiful that you might walk through. And that was it. Now, this is a nice place to hang out, listen to some music at a good volume where you could still have conversation. Mm, oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, you know, and probably more in the evening than during the day just because, you know, it, it can be hot outside. Uh, we were lucky. It was kind of cool for Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Florida cool on this cruise. But I loved Rooftop Garden. Larissa spent a lot of time there. Uh, it's a beautiful venue by day, but again, just could I could imagine it getting a little bit warm. Luckily, though, it is raised, as I mentioned, so you should get a breeze all the time. Beautifully, beautifully lit at night. And uh, if you if you like the performances there, you could easily enjoy those from the sort of attached rooftop garden grill. Yes, and on the uh, rear side of the rooftop garden grill, um, and I think, well, let me say something about the rooftop garden grill. Because uh, you talked about the mask girl. I think that's a venue where celebrity is really overcharging. Um, I'm not sure why that couldn't be a complimentary, like, step up from the mast grill. Yeah, so the ma mast um, grill is the, the pool. That's, the pool. That's the pool burger joint. Yeah. Burger place. Uh, and, and which is perfectly fine. I had, uh, I had a snack there. Yeah. Um, rooftop garden grill. Listen, I'm sure the food's better. I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure, I'm sure they do a great job with service. But it's like fifty-five bucks. Uh, it's twenty-five for lunch, forty-five for dinner. Forty-five, forty-five bucks. That is ah, a little much for where I can see that they are grilling hamburgers. <laughs> right. 
Um, the fl- the flap. I mean, you know, I'm sure the food is good. Uh, I don't think it's 45 good. Yeah, um, I, I'll tell you. It, God, I hope. Oh, as we discussed, Lisa Ludov Perlo is clearly listening right now. Yeah. Uh, so I hope I hope they don't uh, do this, but I feel like they could get away with charging more if the uh, rooftop garden wasn't a fantastic venue in and of itself. If it was like, oh, I want to enjoy that venue and have great seats for the performances oh. at that beautiful venue, hmm. I guess I need to book a meal there to do so. Um, I could actually see them getting away with the the truck. So we'll see. May, maybe the price will come down, or maybe not. Maybe maybe no. other people will, will do it. And hey, if so, more power to them. Um, no. I'm glad I can enjoy the space though without laying down forty five dollars for for dinner there. Mm. Or maybe I'll have a few drinks and I'll end up trying it. You know, for research. Well, yeah, you could have those drinks on just around the corner there, which is the Sunset Bar. Yes, uh, that's you know, kind of your get some what like icy mixed drinks uh frozen drinks frozen daiquiri kind of place yeah um you know beers bottles of beer but you know what's cool it's right around the corner from um the rooftop garden which is all again natural woods live plants but when as soon as you do round that corner to get to the sunset bar Mm. it has a totally different palette and a totally different feeling the the wall is kind of a, a an illuminated orange in spots uh, i think there's a couple different gradients that move through there um but gets to the the sunset feel of things oh yeah um comfortable seating and it wraps around so uh there's actually a good amount of aft seating so if you're like me uh, and i think probably most people that aren't terrible human beings you like watching that wake trail right you like at some point you enjoy watching the wake trail of the ship and you know especially near the beginning of your cruise you're seeing not vacation uh, behind you um and uh it, it's a great spot for that there's ample seating um and i just thought it was cool that they had that so close to rooftop garden but such a different feel agreed the the feel is totally different um and I like the wall decorations there too. There's some kind of element of like, it was almost like large sand dollars stuck to the yeah, wall. Yeah, I didn't know what to various colors. I don't, I don't really know what it was, but it was pleasing. Yeah. Oh, there's um, all, and you know what else is there? And I should mention this uh, similarly for Ocean View Cafe, uh, and Cafe Obaccio actually, really large tables, not a ton of them, just mm. one or two. So if you are with a group of like eight or ten people. All three of those places I just mentioned, Ocean View Cafe, Cafe Albaccio, Alba- and, and, uh, and Sunset Bar, mm-hmm. all have spaces that will accommodate you nicely. And oh, I thought that nice. was cool because that's not something I see on any ships usually. Yeah, yeah you, you remarked about that when you saw it in, uh, in the Ocean View Cafe. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So then uh, if we want to go back midship, take a look at the pool. Uh, Celebrity says this is the largest pool they've put on a ship, even uh, bigger than on their solarium classes. And uh, pool deck. Uh, one of the things I liked about the pool deck was there are a lot of different levels uh, and a lot of variety in what was covered by shade, what was out in the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, As I've said, I'm a native Floridian, but I'm also very pale, so I don't really like to go in the sun, but I do like to be warm. And there were places for me uh, out there. Yet, um, by, not only by the pool, like I should say, not only around the pool, but around that whole space, there were some completely covered spaces, but where there was still really nice airflow mm-hmm. and comfortable loungers. 
There were other places that were in the sun, but not by the pool. But even right by the pool, we essentially had two sea days on this cruise, if you think about it. Because Nassau, because of the type of cruise this was, mm. not a lot of people getting off there. Both times, even gorgeous weather, still spots available, even in those uh, cool loungers that sit in the shallow, like, splash part of the pool. Uh-huh. Um, so that, that, was, that was nice. And the pool attendants did a great job of making sure there were always fresh towels on the chairs, which I liked. Yeah, one of the things I liked about Celebrity um, over some other lines is that the towel policy is there is an abundance of towels. Take what you need and there will be more towels. I I appreciate that level of um, trust and service. That's well said. Okay. Uh, going, uh, continuing forward on the ship, getting into the uh, solarium. Uh, I didn't spend much time there. Uh, it's not because I didn't want to do that, but it, I was exploring other places that were, that are new. Whereas a solarium, I've been in the solarium on a reflection, uh, or on reflection, I've been a solarium in Constellation and Infinity, and I really like it. But this trip was about seeing what was new. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I, like Rick, I always like solariums on ships. Um, it was a pretty space. I, I thought they could have maybe done something to make it a little more unique. To, I Not because it wasn't attractive. So many other spots on the ship had a wow factor. Mm. And I don't mm. know that the solarium did as much. Um, the What I did think was interesting, the panels, instead of just having like a flat glass roof or something like that, they were, it was not a geodesic dome at all, but it was that kind of thing where you had panels that came together at multiple angles. Yeah. Uh, and they were clear plastic. And I noticed that they, the panels were hollow. Um, there, there were, they were sandwiched, maybe seamed on the sides, but had void in the middle, uh, I suspect, for insulation um, to, to keep the space from getting too hot. And they also, the, they, there were little hoses connected in there that ventilated them, I guess, to keep condensation. It was just an interesting observation. Uh, yeah, I, I was trying to figure out what kind of thickness that material must have. And my where I've settled is it's probably more like a yoga ball kind of uh, Potentially. density. Uh, but it's supposed to be much uh, lighter than the what it would have to be to be plexiglass. So it's a, a way to increase the energy efficiency of the of the ship by making the ship lighter. Uh, one thing we noticed at night was mm. when you're walking along the deck and you look into the solarium and there's the pink and blue lights coming from within the solarium through those panels because the um, panels aren't a flat surface but two uh, curved surfaces, it catches all of that light and it looks like the entire panel is illuminated. Yeah. It's a very cool really? effect. The, the whole ship at night on the outside, I mean, g- getting back for just a brief moment, to, talking about the pool area, something mm. that I noticed there's a bar in addition to, to the pool bar there's like a bar with stools and you can put your drink up and enjoy the view that wraps around one end of the 25 yard long pool and it looks like a white solid surface however when you if you actually sit there and you set your drink down you'll notice that as soon as your hand and your drink shade it it's actually kind of glowing pink below and that's because at night that comes alive with pinks and purples as do mm. the white support structures around the pool cabanas on one side. Oh yeah. And it is gorgeous. I'm a sucker for ships at night when, and they, the outdoor spaces 
I really think they paid more attention to how it was going to look at night than during the day. And I'm not, which not saying that in a bad way at all. It, it's beautiful during the day. Oh my God. It is. It has another dimension at night. Yes. Yeah. yeah really. I, there were a couple times I just stood out there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so pretty. <laughs> So at this point, um, we, we've talked about uh, the, the spaces on the ship. Um, how about we talk about uh, the entertainment, uh, the people who occupy those spaces and kind of the live acts and stuff? Yeah, so I kind of started talking about this a little bit when we were discussing the rooftop garden. And I mentioned, well, I think you mentioned uh, the Reckless Charms because I was blanking on their name. Um, they were They were really enjoyable. Easy to listen to, but um, toe tapping at the same time, and and that was neat. Enjoyed them a lot. They were actually joined uh, f- for a couple songs by a guitarist by the name of Michael Redden, who I think he was just a totally separate performer. I don't think he was like part of their deal, but they seemed to enjoy uh, playing together a couple times. Hmm. And he would occasionally play up at the rooftop garden. But I saw him in a number of spaces around the ship. Um, and was he the one in the martini bar sometimes at night? Guitar, yes, lone, yes, lone that was him. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, and he reminded me of a lot of the guitarists that you see in Central Park on Oasis-class ships. Okay. Which yeah. I really like. So, so that was cool. Then there was Out by the Pool. Usually, I'm used to, I guess, one of three different music, uh, musical performances or, or types of music at a pool on a cruise ship. One is, okay, there's some sort of calypso or reggae, Mm -hmm. something like that, recorded. The second is, there's some type of uh, reggae calypso band (laughs) doing music. (laughs) Uh, The third would be just general pop music. Uh, And I'd say, actually, I'll say a small fourth is, I've seen on celebrity ships where they just have a guitarist uh, Mm -hmm. doing various types of songs. Uh, Franklin the Musician. He was on the Celebrity Century like 13 years ago. Hmm. He was great. I wrote a, I wrote a letter about him. Um, Why well, I remember that. Um, so anyway, on uh, on Edge, they had a group called Dos Duo, or group. It was it was a duo, uh, man and woman, and singing and playing guitar, and also I think uh, working with some additional. I don't want to say backing tracks, but some additional. Uh, sounds and mm. and uh, some some synth at times I believe, and they they were great because you barely noticed them. And what I mean is, <laughs> um, you noticed that you weren't listening to ambient music that was recorded. You noticed it was a little more lively, but did not uh, was not distracting. Uh, it was just the right level for me, and I enjoyed listening to them. And it was cool because it wasn't. Um, just recorded music, you had the option of, you know, they, they didn't say this, but I'm sure if you went up and you had a request, you wanted something, it's nice to have the option of a live live person in yeah. that sense. Um, did you did yeah. you have a chance to listen to them? Yeah, I, I heard them, liked them a lot. Uh, I thought her voice was very good. His guitar playing reminded me of a guitarist named Tuck Andress, uh, who's a husband of a husband and wife duo named Tuck and Patty. Uh, if you've watched Dawson's Creek and you remember the ver- version, uh, the cover of Cindy Lauper's Time After Time that was made popular by the show Dawson's Creek, that was Tuck and Patty. The wife sings, Billy's, go ahead and laugh, Billy. The uh, the um, the I'm, wife sings. I'm just thinking that somebody could right now narrow down 
so many things about when you grew up. No, 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 no. <laughs> I see, I, but okay, here's the thing. I didn't learn about Tuck and Patty from that. I had already known about them for more than a decade. And then they became very popular because, or became known because of this. But I, Such I, a hipster. I, yeah, I, I'm not a bandwagon jumping Tuck and Patty fan. <laughs> I've been there. Um, so anyhow, it, his guitar playing, uh, Tuck Andres, is just, uh, has a really different style of guitar playing. Uh, he talks about it on their website, what, what he does and how he gets the sounds that he gets. Uh, and this guy sounded a lot like him and had techniques like him. And I really have not ever heard anything else like that other than Tuck doing it himself. Uh, so I was very happy to, to hear them and, and listen to his guitar style. Rick gets a quarter every time he mentions Tuck on the podcast. Okay. I'd love to see Tuck and Patty live. <laughs> uh, hasn't happened. So another uh, another bit of entertainment on uh, Edge that I enjoyed, and I am I hope that this is something that they keep. Uh, I called them roaming Edenists. So some of the Eden performers, which you'll have to listen to the Eden episode because it really takes like an hour to just explain the concept of Eden. Some of the Eden performers are. At times, they just show up in different places in the ship. I saw them in the Grand Plaza over by the Martini Bar. Uh, I saw them somewhere outside. I don't remember if it was by the pool now. But just just popping up in different places and uh, going about their routine as if nobody's watching. Oh, <laughs> all right. And you could absolutely interact with them. We did. Um, one of them even actually at one point called out to the bit of interaction that uh that i had with the the performance the night before <laughs> okay um but i loved the roaming edenists doesn't get in the way of anything that's happening you have just two people playing around that look a bit different than the other guests um but adds uh add something you know what maybe for me it was just reminding me of eden which ended up being one of my favorite spaces on the ship so mm. i hope they i hope they keep that and that wasn't just a teaser trying to draw people into eden mm. um and then uh lastly and actually i did not get to to see there's one other performer uh but you did and larissa did yeah um while i was kind of waiting for the eden cafe to open for lunch on on day three uh, went down and one of the guys who's an actor in what could be called the Eden production, he's one of the Edenist characters, uh, was down there in costume playing a sitar. Uh, and Larissa was very into that, so I texted her and let her know, okay, you need to get down here because this is like one of the things you totally want to see. Uh, and I think that was what initiated the, like, not that you weren't already really going to hang out in Eden, but I think once she got down there and there was the sitar player and when he rapped and we went to the outside area and then came back in and went to the bar, I think that combination really solidified for Larissa that that's where you guys were going to be from the rest for the rest of that day larissa will be tending bar at eden on celebrity <laughs> edge uh, as soon as her contract begins in january um yeah that, i i look forward to that because i i love sitar as well i think it's a cool instrument um and goes well with that venue agreed that it fits the vibe very much so uh, a vibe maybe that isn't as much my thing but i certainly thought was interesting um was in in the club uh which such a creatively named in the club the club yeah um a two-story nightclub 
yeah. uh, venue, primarily nightclub. Though during the day, like they have a ping pong table there, which is I was like, that's weird, but cool. I like table tennis. It's also the laser tag venue. I did not know there was laser tag. On yeah, well, I'm unclear of whether it ever actually happened or not. Just maybe some guests just brought some laser tag stuff with them. Uh, it's not on the prohibited items list. I've seen it. It says you know irons, uh, power strips. Nothing about laser tag. Sorry, um, <laughs> we're we're getting goofy. Um, so so this multi-purpose venue. It's two stories. It is. Um, I'm not a nightclub person. I respect. I do respect that it is a better venue than a lot of cruise ship nightclubs because a lot of time they say we don't need to do much here. People are going to get drunk, come here, and listen to loud music. We just need some flashing lights and a dark room and a bar nearby. Uh, and this is definitely more than that in terms of um, one, just the fact that it was two stories and the that the way it was laid out, but also in the the furniture was a little bit different. They had a big screen um, and the the bar actually felt like a bar not just a place that you're fighting to get drinks uh, in a club so there was on the first night i think it was there was a show or not a show there was a thing going on there a happening a happening called andromeda and andromeda we walked into the club there's loud kind of futuristic dance music playing there are, I'll just go with space people. Uh, I don't know what to uh, call them. Uh, uh, roaming about in different states of being, you know, some of them just hanging out like like their guests. Others clearly playing the parts of androids, of like robots. Um, there's a fortune teller, all these things. And so you see them as you're walking in and you're escorted through a scanner of sorts, almost like a metal detector, not real, but, and it says scanning and lights when you step in there and they tell you that they're going to scan you to see what, what species you are. You're then handed a card telling you what species you are and informing you some of your traits. And so it's a role-playing sort of thing. And while this wasn't for me, I was like, oh, okay. I like that they're adding an element to this. That's cool. And I like I like performance art and that type of stuff. So so I was ready to see what the characters were doing, the performers, and how they were engaging. And Larissa and I read our cards and we're like, wow, I really don't understand what we're supposed to do. And it's giving you like little mini missions, but it's not clear. So we start to go up and engage with some of the performers and ask them about the things that were clued into through these cards. And we did this for a while, had some really interesting conversations, got, uh, you can see some video clips of this uh, and, and photos in the live blog. But at no point were we able to identify an end game. So I don't know if the role playing part solely, solely exists to try and get people to go in there and stay and interact with the performers, or if there is an actual objective it was not at all clear to us. If there is an objective, they need to make it easier because <laughs> we weren't getting there and I don't think anyone else was either. Um, it was interesting. I'm not sure if this will last. Again, I like the spirit of it. Um, and it was it was very cool to watch. The performers all really, really neat. But yeah, it's, you make it seem like a game and yet I don't see a way to win. 
that sounds shallow. Mm. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like overly competitive, and I'm not. But yeah, I wasn't I, sure what to do with it. Okay, uh, I've I've been to something similar uh, at a a night before Thanksgiving party at a, a kind of Soviet themed bar in in Tampa that used to be around called Czar, and I guess it's still around in some form, but not what it used to be. Uh, where when you came in, you had to give a password uh, to come in. Then you were given a passport. You had to co- have a conversation with someone in the first room who would stamp your passport in order for you to get access to the second room where you had to talk to the right person to get a stamp to give you access on and on. If you get to the third level, then if you know the secret code uh, and you find the roving hmm. uh, person and utter the secret code, then you get access to the a VIP area. Um, See, so. that, that's that sounds neat. And I feel, and maybe this is supposed to be like this. I, I will tell you, um, at one point you mentioned the stamping your passport. In Andromeda, one of the guys has a stamp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes and he, Larissa asked him a question about her character or something. And stamps her hand and there's no, and she's like, oh, no, it's, it's, there's no ink on there or anything. I was like, oh, well, maybe it's a blacklight. Maybe it's blacklight responsive ink. Uh-huh. So we're like, okay. And we look around and we see a, a light that seems to be the right area of spectrum. And she runs over and she's like, nope, no, there's there's just knowing in that stamp. <laughs> so like for a second, we thought we, we were like, oh, we're going to figure this out. And like, eh, no. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, what, oh, I know. Another thing that I did want to mention here. Yeah. Um, they were roaming around with like, we'll say alien or space cocktails. They were in shot glasses. Mm. They, it looked and had a texture similar to what I would imagine clown vomit is. <laughs> Gross. Okay. <laughs> and tasted terrible. So as a guy who is always down for a free drink, uh, I was, I was disappointed, <laughs> but it was neat that they're, Hey, it's neat that they're trying these things out. Hopefully mm-hmm. they get some feedback and maybe well, that- turns like more into what you were talking about at Czar. Uh, I would characterize cl- uh, that tasted like clown vomit to be feedback. So <laughs> they're getting some. Uh, I agree with this spa- the your assessment of the space uh, in in the club. Um, it, it's another example of what you said about there being different levels because there mm-hmm. was the kind of the bar area as a bar. Uh, there was a seating area adjacent to that that had it was which oddly nobody was in while we were there, but I think that's I guess it was kind of people felt like it was more of an overflow area, but it, it was perfectly good. Uh, I thought, yeah. Um, and then there almost could have been like a VIP area if they wanted to section it off. It really had kind of that feel to it, and I'm surprised it wasn't being taken advantage Th- of. Those in, are the little things way. I feel like if uh, if Disney had a cruise line, they do have a cruise line, but like uh, Disney parks would go. All right, that area right there, <laughs> ten bucks to get in, yeah, and when right. it fills, it becomes fifteen. You know, yeah. um, what do you get? Oh, we're gonna give you a bottle of water when you walk in. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, and you get a pen. You yeah. get a pen, commemorative pen. Um, so the and all, the, there's also a lot of levels where from the first level there's some seats up. Uh, a few steps up, another uh, level of seating. A few steps up, the DJ. A few steps up, another level of seating. A few steps up from that, like the second level. And so there's a, I think there are entrances on deck five and deck four uh, to the club. Maybe it's four and three, but um, two levels, entrances on both. I, I really liked it. Uh, 
for the third night or the last night of the of the cruise, uh, there were a celebrity was offering the silent disco, which has been getting more and more popular uh, on cruise lines. Uh, and I had just been to one on Celebrity Infinity. Uh, Jose had never been to a silent disco, so this was a, a new concept for him. And if you, you're not sure what one of these is, it's where uh, you get a set of headphones. And there are three channels on your headphones: red, blue, and and um, red, blue, and green. In this case, uh, red was a pre-recorded track of Latin music. Blue and green were two live DJs in the venue uh, who were spending whatever, and people could select whether they wanted to listen to the red track, the blue track, the green track. And so you kind of get a sense of who's listening to what, who's moving to what. Uh, and one of my favorite things is like watch a group of girls who are all listening to the same track and then one of them tries another tra- like they're all listening to green and then one of them like switches over to blue and like looks at the other and points at her headphones like no girls you got to be listening to blue <laughs> and then they all switch and they like start dancing to blue <laughs> if instead, i recall at you know? one point you were that girl <laughs> look we all want to play the princess sometimes all right um <laughs> uh, it's from south park's uh, black friday trilogy um so, yeah, I just, I love a silent disco. I think Jose had a really good time. Um, I think Larissa had a really good time there. And there's a reason Billy likes a silent disco a lot. I'm not a loud music person, as I think I've probably said nine times in this podcast alone, in this episode alone. Um, I enjoyed that I could control the volume. I don't need music to be deafeningly loud. I don't like when I leave any venue and my ears are ringing. Uh, so the fact that I could control the volume and the music, I mean, obviously that was a great perk for anyone to mm-hmm. put on the music you prefer. Uh, the fact that I could control the volume was pretty great. And the headphones were actually really comfortable. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, had no problem. Not like the greatest the audio quality, on. not bad audio quality, but very comfy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I'm going to be rushing to do a silent disco, but I have a feeling Larissa will want to go back in January and I'll go and it won't be nearly as bad as a normal club experience. So, so that was all right. Okay, good. Uh, well, I guess that kind of wraps up going venue by venue, restaurant, uh, bars. We got great service on this ship and met some really exciting people. So I'd like to give some staff and crew shout outs. First of all, my stateroom tenant, Paul, uh, did an excellent job. When I think about you know, this new stateroom, the design philosophy, and all the work that Kelly Hoppen and all the other architects and designers have done f- uh, to create celebrity edge they're developing a vision like they have an idea of what they want a guest stateroom to look like and i thought paul did a great job of restoring that vision in the stateroom after we you know slept in the beds and used the towels and um, had papers lying all over and clothes thrown on the on the sofa i think he did a great job of putting it back putting the stateroom back into an order that uh, the designers would have wanted and it's, you mentioned the stateroom, I realized we didn't even talk about staterooms on this episode. <laughs> okay, you're right. The Time to go to hour right. three of this one, guys. Okay. Uh, no, but uh, we both had infinite veranda staterooms, so I'll just mention real briefly. Okay. Signature staterooms, floor-to-ceiling window, top of the top section of the, the window opens so that you have the veranda, you have some doors in the middle of your room, you can section off so it's as if you have a veranda or you just have a much bigger room with a floor-to-ceiling window. I know that's weird to picture, but the good news, there are a number of pictures in the day one live blog at cruisehabit.com. And we'll be posting, uh, we'll throw it in that article, but uh, you can also find soon on our YouTube channel, 
um, a video of exactly how those work. It should help you visualize it a bit because a lot of people have questions around that. So I think it is important to your point. Uh, and actually, we had the same stateroom attendant because our oh, staterooms yeah. were just uh, three it, doors down true. from each other. Um, that, yeah, uh, Paul did a, a great job of um, of keeping that in mind because there are a lot of um, – they're beautiful staterooms. Regardless of infinite veranda or not, they're mm. – there are stateworms with design, and I've seen that on some ships, but I don't see that on a lot of ships, mm. and, and I liked it. Uh, even the the cool, you, you had the coral piece, right? Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I, had, I had a piece just like that fall on my head when I was like three years old. So a few bad <laughs> memories, but... Uh, yeah, I, was cool. telling, I was saying, I was like, yeah, because I've, uh, I've uh, sailed with the line before, they'll like leave a gift in the room or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, really? And I was like, is this the gift? Could this be? I, I I won't take this home. Could this be the gift? It's like uh, oh. no. He's like, well, I mean, I think I'm just gonna take it. I'm like, no, because my credit card is the primary. Okay. Like, oh no, my. but that was, I did like that. Like That's just funny, you know, just an an, an object to art in the room, a piece of a piece of coral so, on a shelf. So shout out to yes, shout out to Paul for for keeping uh, that. Uh, maintaining that vision and for being so sneaky like oh yeah he was there i actually wonder if the rooms uh, if if they have access if the stateroom attendants have access to the presence sensors in the rooms because there are presence sensors because you can have the room in like an eco mode and all sorts of stuff and uh i kind of wonder because it was i've had that happen on other ships before so maybe it's just they're really maybe he's just that good but i kind of wonder if they actually know uh, when you leave or, or something um, so, uh, other, other people of note, um, two people that will be, oh my God, sick of me by January 20th, uh, Marius and Ravina at the Eden bar. Um, Ravina was the one that handmade a lot of the, the syrups and the, the mixes. So mm-hmm. you get a drink in Eden bar that, oh, it has such and such syrup. I don't want something out of a can. Uh-uh. They make it. Right. Um, Ravina did that in addition to just being a regular and awesome, friendly, helpful, good bartender. Uh, Marius was amusing and he, he was really great about, he quickly learned what I liked, the type of stuff that I liked. And he started getting really creative with a lot of the tools, tricks that they have access to in the Eden bar. Uh, and they, they were just, uh, they were fun. So looking forward to hanging out with them. Yeah. I got to hang out with uh, both of them for a, a little bit in the end. Uh, it was neat to watch Marius make Larissa um, a cocktail that was not a menu cocktail and not something I'd seen on the ship or even something I had necessarily seen before with techniques like lighting a, a lighter right next to an orange rind and then mm. rubbing that on the rim of the glass. That was uh, that was interesting. Uh, I've, I've failed at trying that trick many times, even yeah. when I was a bartender years ago. Well, he's more experienced. He's more experienced. Yes. Uh, again, I, th- I think I mentioned my Le Petit Chef uh, summary, Carol, there. Uh, not only great service for me and Jose, but really great uh, helping the table next to us when there was some issue about the husband not yet arriving at dinner and then catching Ex-husband him up. Ex-husband now, I believe. I, you know, I leave that to them and I don't ask questions. <laughs> like, uh, um, <laughs> it was... She she did a really fantastic job about uh, keeping that situation under control for the part she was responsible for. Okay, got it. Um, for for the shows, uh, Madison and Anne from the the production shows. Madison, the singer and backup dancer, uh, and then the uh, and then Anne, one of the feature dancers there. Uh, Imani and Carly. Uh, Imani who played Flit 
one of the Edenists and Carly who plays Bloom and then also is uh, the, the serpent, serpent character. Um, great to talk to both of them, uh, yeah. do some audience interaction with them, and then also talk to them as as the humans, as humans. that they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they really. Uh, and uh, listen, I'm sure that all of the the performers are fantastic. These are just a few of them that we were lucky enough to have some extra interaction with, mm-hmm. and I look forward to uh, interacting with even more of them. But they they were great. Um, so I think. You can probably tell if you're still listening this far in. Um, and as as we're recording this, I will confess that I don't know how many different episodes this show is going to be. Right. This is the uh, one of question mark, two of question mark. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but uh, you can probably tell we're pretty smitten by Edge. Mm-hmm. Um, really, just all, the, the ship offers a great uh, experience. The service was, was phenomenal. I, I would say everything was at least in line with what we've come to expect from celebrity and uh in so many ways exceeded it uh exceeded our expectations um despite having seen the ship rendered in 3d and so much you know we paid so much attention to it all of that in mind we had a great time uh this is the second sailing ever on a brand new ship the first in its class that deviates from every norm except for the fact that it floats Um, so there are things that we thought could be improved. And Mm. some of these things are little tiny things that maybe by the time I'm back on in January will be different. Others, uh, maybe we have to wait for Apex to see if, uh, things changes. It depends. But we did want to touch on some of those in fairness. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in with what I think was the, the first thing that I I noticed uh, that I would like more of, and that was some way to tell, what way I was oriented on the ship. It was hard to tell what was aft, what was forward, um, and when I was in a public space, which way I, I was going. It was kind of like a long walk to get to the elevator bank and then realize, oh, 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 I just walked aft and not forward. Oh, time to turn around and, and turn back, which it's not a huge ship, so that wasn't a big deal, but I did that a few times, and I'm not sure it got any better while I was yeah. on there. I understand why it's confusing. I don't understand why they don't why it can't easily be fixed. And maybe it can't easily. Maybe it will be easily fixed. But uh, it, because the ship is not designed in a, we'll say, modular way, like so many cruise ships where you say, oh, they had a square space to plug in a square venue, and that's how they laid it out. Because it's so different, it's asymmetrical. Uh, it's not only symmetrical side to side, but even the levels are, are different all over the place. It, that makes it a little potentially confusing. And because some of the, the venues are so complex, there are times you go, oh, I want to go over there. I have to go up one across and down, that type of thing. Um, it would just be helpful if right away when you came out of the elevators, when you came out of a, a shop or whatever, if you just knew forward aft. Yeah. Uh, One thing that I will say as a tip to to people who are going to sail on the edge is if you want to go down to guest relations, the easiest way to do this is find the martini bar. Yes. Find the corner of the martini bar with the um, GP Cafe. Go to the opposite corner along that long wall, and that will take you right into guest relations. If not, you will find you can't get there from here. (laughs) Right. That's, uh, yeah, that's exactly right, and that's why. Um you had a you had a, an improvement that you you had a couple incident you had a couple incidents M- multiple ships multiple cruise lines we now see them using these um, sliding doors that are usually clear glass sometimes they're frosted or have a, an image on them um, 
And in many cases, they detect motion and they open as you walk up. In some, you have to push a button, no problem. Totally fine with that. These open way too slow. And I know because I and many other people, I saw it happen, would start walking and you expect that you, you see the door start to open. You go, okay, at this pace, I'm going to clear that door. <laughs> and you don't clear the door. Yeah. You shoulder check the door and it's awkward. And the only thing that makes it so that you don't feel too bad is that you just watch like 14 people do it right before you. Mm -hmm. um, so that would seem an easy enough tweak. I don't know why they did it that way. Um, hopefully they'll uh, they'll fix that. Uh, another uh, another um, well, I guess there are there are a couple kind of door issues. You have down here door to bathrooms in the solarium always open. Yeah, and I'm not sure why that is. I so I noticed that, and I thought that I was just always walking by like when they were in the process of cleaning or something. So now that you say that, that is odd. Yeah, it's like full view into the bathrooms in the solarium at all times. I wonder if they were having like a problem that latches were getting stuck and people were getting trapped inside and they're just like, okay, screw it. No, this is one of the sliding doors where you press the button and it slides open. Oh, it is or a sliding. It's, or it's huh. motion sensitive Weird. in some way. Yeah, I don't know. It we'll was just something I noticed pretty much on, on every yeah. occasion. Um, another thing with the, the doors, a door magnet that indicates that you're sleeping versus, you know, like a do not disturb. Uh, I've been on ships that were years older than this you know designed way before like uh ncl's breakaway plus class uh, where you've got a set of switches inside the room uh where you let me, i'm gonna go way way earlier rick i i've seen those on ships that were built and outfitted in the 70s that i sailed in the early 80s yeah <laughs> the idea of a switch that turns on a light outside not tricky not tricky, yet still using a door magnet. And a, they had door hangers that also said deep sleep. Yeah, which those disappeared at one, or at least the one in my room disappeared. Did point. Jose think that was a like a loyalty gift? <laughs> Not the robes. The robes <laughs> stay in the room. Um, so yeah, really, celebrity needs. I, I it was just it was I, a disappointment. I can be, I can that, be halfway yeah. across the ship. And be like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the room and relax for a while. I'm going to knock the AC down two degrees. I'm going to turn on all the lights and I'm going to raise the blackout curtain from my phone. Then use my phone to unlock the door when I get to the room. Yeah. But I have to mess with a magnet to say that I'm sleeping. You're right. It's yeah. weird. You're I, right. You know, I want that as a switch on the wall and I want it integrated into the, the app. app. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So I think those, we, we hit the uh, improvements. Um so now we're, I think we're going to get to our more serious part, which, done, uh, done. yeah, as, as we were walking through the hallway uh, and we were discussing, uh, one of the things that we thought was a really, really, uh, er something that was an error on celebrities part. I said, well, uh, we could call this part unforgivable sins. I like it. Uh, yeah. And now I, in retrospect, I think that might be harsh. So uh, I'm going to, if you want to think of a lighter name for this segment, it's how did this happen? Which is worse. That sounds like there should be game show music. Dun, 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 dun. How did this happen? Yeah. It is a design yeah. flaw, and I don't know how this happened. Okay, and now I owe Merv oh, Griffin, right. the Merv Griffin estate, $20,000. We'll edit it out. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, first one. paper. You have here paper towels yeah. in Ocean View Cafe. I noticed these same type of paper towel things were in several other okay. bathrooms as well. That's where it bothered me most. Sure. Oh. Um, so... 
tell me because uh, we didn't talk about this much. We just said, "Oh, paper towel." No. Tell me if we had the same issue here. Yeah. They don't like so you grab like a Kleenex or a tissue, right? Usually, and the next one pops up. Or a paper towel dispenser is same idea, but flipped. You grab one, and the next one pops out down. So since the paper towel dispensers are recessed above the sinks, if there's not a paper towel hanging down, you don't know where to get a paper towel. And if you do know where to get a paper towel, but it's not hanging down, what do you have to do, Rick? You have to grope around <laughs> to get and like touch every surface with your just washed hands uh-huh. in order to fish a paper towel out. To yep. dry your Eat. now again, you know, and then you just I touch hold something on to that. Now I want to wash my hands again. It's a, it's a whole big what to. Though yeah. you know what, to balance this out, the sensors for the sinks, even though they looked like the same model for the soap, which were quirky but overall okay. Um, uh, uh, so the sensors for the the sinks and the soap worked like a thousand times better than on Symphony, and I'm pretty sure they were the exact same model on Symphony. Weird. I kept going to wash my hands and nothing would happen. Mm. Maybe I'm a vampire. No. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so the the paper towels, like, it just cannot be that I have to touch some kind of surface that I don't know how many people just touch. Like, the whole point is that we are not touching the same surfaces. So, yeah, that one, that one's yeah. just got to be fixed. Um, and in conjunction with this, I'm, I'm going to say that... Uh, I do want people to be able to wash their hands. I also want hand sanitizer as an option. And there was no hand sanitizer Hmm. on this ship, except when I saw it in a little uh, service cubby in the Ocean View Cafe. Oh, really? I know they were giving it out on embarkation. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I did get it then. I I will withhold judgment until I, and you know, I'm actually going to look this up now. I want to see studies on are people more likely to wash their hands if there's not hand sanitizer? Like, what is what is the net positive? Okay, fair enough. I will assess uh, that and get back to everyone. Ev- evidence-based. Anything else to say about paper towels? <laughs> well, I'm sure we could stretch paper towels. All right. So <laughs> it, one of the things that we are seeing in uh, renovated staterooms or, or staterooms on newer classes of ships are you know, everyone wants a USB charger, so just put the USB port in, and then people just have their cable, and they don't need their charger. Great. Bedside, people are going to use their phone. USB port, bedside. Fantastic. Somehow, there is a USB port, a pair of them, on one side of the bed, and nothing on the other side of the bed, which right. meant for Jose to have something to charge his phone, there had to be a USB cord draped across my bed, and then over to his, and like, I'm not gonna get strangled in the middle of the night by his USB cord. So yeah, it was yeah. it was weird. There, there, so they have at the vanity. There's a little charging box that has two USB ports, uh, two 110 outlets, an EU outlet, and then next to the bed on the wall, there's a 110 outlet, two USBs, and then I don't know if you notice this on the phone right under those USB ports. Mm-hmm. There's another USB port on the phone. Yeah, I noticed there was a USB port on the side of the phone. Three USB yeah. ports and one ten outlet on one side, nothing on the other. It was yeah. just weird. Yeah, um, I, I think because I think a lot of people they plug in their phone on their side of the bed. Yeah. Uh, one thing I also noticed, and this occurred to me later, I forget where I was reading this on a a, a forum or something. Uh, the electrical outlet and the little stool that's near the bed, CPAP machines. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So now you just plug it in next to the bed, set the machine on that stool, 
and uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Unless you like sleeping on the other side of the bed. <laughs> you know, every <laughs> oh <laughs> travel I, brings us all to compromise. I, I got I got to say something uh, positive about outlets. Okay. Um, in the bathrooms, there's a regular outlet, not a wired in with the the light overhead and only for low current things like shavers. There's a fifteen, a ten or fifteen amp, uh, one ten outlet. So, hair dryer, uh, curlers, hair iron, stuff like that can be used in the bathroom, and that's mm. a huge improvement. I've only ever seen that I think in suites. I don't know well, why it took so long. Wow. Well, so, okay. So, I'm trying trying to balance out, you know, where they where they where they did well. All right. Yeah, I did like that charging box thing on the mm-hmm. uh, on the desk. That was Kept that all was the cables out of the way. Yeah, that was aesthetically nice. Uh, all right. So this one is something that I experienced when I was in the Eden restaurant. Uh, was the seating? So uh, is the seating for Eden restaurant or the restaurant whole part is on the lower deck or the lower level. So you have to go down a flight of stairs, and then there's like um, all along the back wall. There were three seating areas. The entrance level is a mezzanine that overlooks the restaurant there. Well, if you are in the third section back, you can't see anything. And I was in a seat that was even facing away. So I was in the third section back and facing away. I could not see anything. So uh, if I was there just for the meal, that probably would have been fine. But this had been promoted as something that had a show element to it. And I got uh, almost none of the show. Uh, And so I was thinking, you know, okay, uh, in fairness, that may not be such a big deal if you're on a longer cruise and you've experienced the Eden show, you've been to the bar, you kind of know what the Eden area is. Maybe for the hour and a half that you're having the meal, you could be focusing just on the meal. But for me, I wanted to take in more and I got to take in just about nothing. So that was a, a big disappointment. So maybe my my suggestion here is I don't want to call it a problem without giving a suggestion. And that is if, on night one, don't seat people in that section. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. it's just not interactive enough. Um, the, the other thing I would say, uh, so for Eden, uh, they have some novel presentations. Well, one of the presentations included serving something on a bed of gravel. Uh, I really am against putting anything inedible on a plate or anything serving something like that. And especially, uh, you know, like, I don't like even the plastic fence and sushi boxes that separates like the, the ginger and the wasabi from everything else. Um, I don't think that plastic should be in there. So to serve something on gravel for me is, is even worse. Uh, and especially in a dimly lit restaurant where I'm having to stick my fork into this thing to get a piece of cake. I'm almost like digging with the, like something's going to happen to somebody. uh, And I didn't like having to be as cautious as I had to be to make sure it wasn't me. Um, I've got some others, but anything you want to jump in with or something you noticed if it, um, yeah, I think we're, we're on the same page with most of these. I know one thing that you wanted to bring up was, um, and maybe this is just a matter of growing pains. The app is new. It's the new. It's it's essentially the same new app for Royal Caribbean. Um, there's just some additional features, and they they look the same. One says Royal Caribbean, one says Celebrity. Mm. Um, 
and it, it, it's great for a lot of things, adds a lot of capability, except there were some inconsistencies in the, the celebrity today in the schedule of events. Some things just disappeared, um, like the Eden, Eden, the edge launch experience that we thought we were going to get to try the edge launch. And hey, yeah. maybe that's because they thought they were going to in weather or something, wind. I don't know. They couldn't. I don't know. Um, but I have noticed there were times that going to one of the shows, it was when we went to, um, went, went to Jewelry Box. Yeah. A bunch of people walking up were asking like where the comedy show was because they see that the stage doesn't look like there's about to be a comedy show. And apparently for some people, not everyone, the app said there was a comedy show there at that time. And, and clearly this wasn't just a few people misunderstanding because they had crew members saying, if you're looking for the comedy show, unfortunately that's a mistake. This is a show called jewelry box. Plenty of space available. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, that, I guess that kind of stuff is not unforgivable. That, that kind of stuff is, it's, they're growing pains, but they're, yeah, it's kind of kind of big when you have so much stuff you want to take in on a on a ship that it just doesn't match. Yeah, well, for me, one of the th- uh, the ones is the edge launches because to say that we were going to get to try something like that and it looked like they were going to commit two hours on day two and two hours on day three to do that, and then there was nothing and it just suddenly wasn't there. That was for me. That was for me a big disappointment to have that yeah, kind of like same here. dangled out in front of us and then and then taken away. Um, and I, I, one of my, th- one of the things that I'm curious about is how much was just a reproduction of maybe what was done on a previous three night cruise, but this cruise was going to have a totally different entertainment and activity calendar because it was also the corporate trip where they were using a lot of venues during the day to, right. to entertain and to do to do their seminars and, and breakout sessions and whatnot. So I'm curious how much stuff wasn't done for us because those venues were in use for other purposes, that kind of, I don't feel so great about that, but um, I still think there was plenty to do, but I'm curious how much got taken off of the menu. Yeah. Uh, for that. Um, so again, we, we talked about we glow glowing reviews for a lot of this. We talked about honestly with you, the stuff that we thought could be better uh, should be different. Um, but overall we had a, a really great cruise. Unfortunately, uh, much to my chagrin and, and almost in a way surprise every single cruise. It's where the end, every cruise I walk around going, how do I make this last forever? <laughs> so far I've not figured that out No. Um, so disembarkation and man, I had none of three night cruise in years. Getting the disembarkation instructions and luggage tags on the second night you're sleeping in your stateroom, <laughs> that, was... that should really be outlawed. That was really torture. Ugh. So so disembarkation indeed came, um, and I think it went pretty smoothly. Uh, it was somewhat different. Uh, I guess it was different than what we've experienced on, on a lot of other cruises, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts uh, overall on the process, but also if you thought it was similar to any recent cruises you'd taken. Well, with the change in the paperwork requirements, I think um, that you no longer have to fill out the form. uh, I I think that's made disembarking from the ship a lot smoother. And that before and after that rule change, disembarkations have, um, they go more smoothly now. Um, 
in comparison, is there uh, is there something more something more specific you're wanting me to comment so, on? So yeah, uh, something like that I experienced. Or? Yeah, I don't know if you experienced this on Mariner or not, but something that I experienced on Symphony a couple weeks ago, and then again when we were disembarking Edge. Overall, the process, you know, they tell you, hey, be out of your room by this time. Breakfast served here. Wait for your boarding number to be called. You know, same mm-hmm. same deal. Um, when we got off the ship. All we did was walk up to a thing that scanned our faces or that took our picture. Right. And then green light and somebody said, okay, you're good to go. And you just, that, that was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I'd mentioned what feels like about nine hours ago when we started talking about our experience on Celebrity Edge on uh, on the first of however many episodes this breaks out to. <laughs> oh, when we showed I'd up mentioned, at the terminal. Yes. Right. I'd mentioned yeah. that uh, Larissa and I had our pictures retaken. I said, well, I guess they need to make sure that the pictures are, whether it's the contrast ratio, the lighting, how close up, whatever the case may be, so that they can use those pictures for the facial recognition to confirm that there are no issues with those individuals. So they know who you are just by walking up to that machine. It's like it's just a <laughs> it's a, a screen and camera on a uh, on a stand that almost looks like um the more successful uh, siblings of a hand sanitizer dispenser. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that and not having to to fill out the customs forms, which has been a thing for a while, really made it smooth. Uh, Larissa and I have global entry. You do not. Uh, I really liked when they started adding global entry lines to some cruise terminals because that meant we had a separate line that we just walked on through. That is no longer necessary with this. Um, it was butter smooth, lightning fast. I mean, what would you say from stepping off the ship to being outside to get our lift was, I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes. I, uh, yeah. Closer to five. It feels like for the, the, how easy this was is best illustrated by the fact that the greatest hiccup in the process was the fact that at the end of the line, right before you got to the one customs agent who was there, it said, wait here for next available agent. But we weren't supposed to. We were supposed to keep walking. So when people started stopping there and piling up, the guy goes, no, come on through. Come on through. You know what I found interesting? So I understand that they had some customs agents there in case anyone was declaring anything or if somebody had an issue Mm -hmm. upon reentry, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. There were desks, the little custom officer booths sort of that you used to at cruise terminals and at airports Mm -hmm. there were desks for like at least six if not way more yeah that terminal we're only the second cruise revenue cruise at that terminal they just built that i sailed out of the terminal across the parking lot or across the street from that terminal a year ago almost to the date and that building wasn't there they just built this why, if they're using all these biometrics, did they build? I mean, it's, this is no big deal. It is it is of no consequence. It just made me wonder. Like, they built something that was uh, immediately erstwhile. It was immediately antiquated. <laughs> well, yeah, probably safer to have both. That they have to demonstrate that they... That if this doesn't work, Perhaps. which is totally going to, it totally does. But I, I don't um, think they no. had that at Terminal A. I could be wrong. I no, could be wrong. Maybe. Well, yeah, different ports, different uh, government uh, bodies. Um, 
Well, I'd say let's let's end on a bang. So, what are the uh, the great successes of uh, of Edge? Um, I think you can guess the first thing that I'll probably say. Yep. And that's Eden, because nobody knew what Eden was going to be. Um, talking to some of the performers, I think even they didn't know what they were walking into. Uh, it, it speaks to how different of a venue it is. Um, a collection of options and experiences that are offered there. Um, the fact that we saw it on 3D, saw videos about it, read about it, and nobody knew what they were walking into. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I heard some people that didn't prefer the performance there. Overall, I think people, most people I spoke with were happy about it. But at, just as a whole, resounding success. Uh, every everything that was Eden, um, yeah, that was that's that's my home base in January. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, for me, I would say uh, one of the great successes uh, the production shows, getting all those talented young people together and, and just giving them a showcase for what they can do: the singing, the singing and dancing, the dancers, the aerialists. Um, and then the people who create the technology for the backdrops and the, the kind of, um, projected set there, uh, all great work. I thought it's, uh, it's funny. I, I feel like we could probably talk about the things that we were blown away by on edge for a while. And maybe that's just what we did. So maybe we're trying to end on a bang, but maybe with the exception of a couple paper towel dispensers and such. Maybe, uh, maybe that was the whole, uh, that was the whole cruise, um, a resounding yeah. success. It was, it was. And if travel is ever is anything, it is a, a journey of self-discovery. And if there's something I've discovered about myself, um, it's that I like two sets of bath towels. So I think from here on out, I'm requesting that from my stateroom attendant and Paul did that for me and it was fantastic. I, Treat, never... treat yourself exactly exactly because you know what if i come back at night from going to the club and i want to shower i can knowing i'll have a fresh towel and a fresh bath mat for the next morning you too. know what? i'm gonna try this out on my next cruise this is kind of like my thing when i realized that i shouldn't keep socks for more than like a month fresh socks feel so good man amen yeah. i know i hear what you're saying oh, yeah. yeah um <laughs> So as we wrap this episode up, we want to thank Steve G.A. for the review on iTunes. Uh, we're glad you like our podcast. However you're listening to our podcast, do us a favor and go either to uh, iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app and leave us a review there. Number of stars, if you want to write something out, we'd really appreciate that. And frankly, we love doing this. We really do. We, we like sharing the, the live logs. We like writing about cruise news. We like talking ship with you on the podcast and on Periscope. So in addition to the review, I'll ask you one more thing, if you please. And that is uh, take uh, a podcast episode or an article or a Periscope broadcast that you enjoyed. You thought it was funny. You thought it was helpful, whatever the case may be, and share it with somebody else that will also think it was funny, helpful, or maybe you just want to laugh at us. You're like, what are these goofy guys doing? That's okay. You know what? I'll take, I'll take that. So uh, that would mean the world to both of us. And if you have questions, we want you to be part of the show as well. On a recent episode, we read a couple of listener questions, and, uh, and we'd love to keep doing that. So reach out, 
podcast at cruisehabit.com and uh, you may hear your question read on the air. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, party people? This is Billy Pando, a friend of cruisehabit.com. Follow these guys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to the Cruise Habit podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Search Cruise Habit in the Periscope app to join the broadcasts from ship and shore. They'd love to talk ship with you real soon.